the blessing is not just in the knowing, it is in the doing. It doesn't matter how many things you know. It does not matter how well you know it. It doesn't matter how, how intellectually gifted you are. Once you don't put them to work or you don't do them, you will fall a victim to life and everything. And where am I going with all of this? I'm going to this point that we have all heard about love. We have heard about the grace of God. You know it. There's nothing I can say that, can, that, that, that will, uh, will complement or argument what we have heard about love and grace and the rest of God and all of that. There's nothing I can say. I can't, I'm not eloquent enough to be able to uh, try and outdo what has been said concerning the love of God and the grace of God and the rest of God. I'm not eloquent enough to outdo them. But what I just want to ask you this morning is that out of everything you have heard from the beginning of this year, what are you doing with it? Because the blessing is in the doing, not just the hearing. You see that you not be hearers alone deceiving your own self. But be what? Doers of the word. What are you doing? You have heard enough about the love of God. If you want to hear, there will still be more. There are all kinds of revelations going on. There are all kinds of insights that you can get. But victory and success and overcoming is not in the depth or the amount of a revelation that you have about a knowledge or a body of knowledge. Victory and the blessing comes. When you do that, which you know. When you do that, which you know. I'll still be talking about, you know, I'll go, I'll go about love, but let me just digress a little bit. And then we'll go back to this area where I'll try and drive it home and then we'll be gone. Not just my brother alone. I also know a man in scripture named Saul. God graced him. You see, sometimes we just give Paul, Saul a bad rap. We just look at it, it's just like, you know, God just, you know, just saw somebody with nothing and just picked him and just elevated him. No, Paul was a man, I'm sorry, not Paul, Saul, the king Saul was a man that was actually graced by God to be able to do what he was doing. Paul had a, lot, a measure of success that the ordinary Jew or the ordinary Israel, Israel, Israelite did not get. You remember the song that he sang? They said, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousand. Now, you see, what they are doing, comparatively, he has done nothing. But when you look at it on the merit of Paul himself, Killing a thousand people in battle is no easy feat. So the man was not an ordinary man. He knows God. 
He understands God. He hears the voice of God. He has a prophet that God even delegated to him. But guess what? The life of Paul, Saul, I'm sorry, why am I? I'm sorry, forgive me. The life of Saul always had a pulse, a comma, and eventually a full stop because he will not do. He will only hear. And that was why someday God sent the prophet Samuel to him. First Samuel 15. After God told him to go and kill the Amalekites, destroy everybody, Paul did that. Destroyed everybody. God told him, destroy all the stuff. He destroyed almost all the stuff. And he brought it. And so God sent Samuel to him and God told, and Samuel told him, why have you not obeyed what God has told you? And he said, I got these sheep just to sacrifice to God. Just wanted to sacrifice to God. And guess what? God told him something that was very remarkable. And we'll take off from there. To obey is better than what? I didn't hear that. Did you? Okay, let's go again. To obey is better than? To obey is better than? And when you talk about obedience, you're talking about something. Let me, let me, let me, let me give you, let me give you, let me, uh, let me give you an explanation of what, you know, the two of them stands for. If you look at that scripture, to obey is better than sacrifice. Instantly, automatically, you know that with God, it is possible to have, to offer sacrifice and not obey. Am I correct? It is possible because if it was not possible, he wouldn't have said to obey is better than sacrifice. So, Saul preferred sacrifice to obedience. Now, you see, don't underrate sacrifice. Don't underrate sacrifices. They are good. Remember, the Bible did not say, or God did not send this prophet to say to obey is good. To sacrifice is bad. No, he said to obey is better than sacrifice. Now, God demands obedience. He demands sacrifice. The only thing is that when you weigh both of them in a balance, one carries more weight than the other. Both sacrifices and obedience will cost you something. When you sacrifice, it might cost you your time. It costs you your resources. It costs you your convenience. It costs you things. All right? But the difference between sacrifice and obedience, which is where we're going, is this. That while sacrifice costs you things, obedience costs you yourself. Did you get that? Yes. 
Sacrifice. When you sacrifice, it's going to cost you your stuff. But when you obey, it's going to cost you you. It's going to cost you your life. You're going to invest your life into obedience. That's why obedience is difficult. And as Christians, are we hiding under the cover of sacrifice rather than obedience? Sometimes, or most of the times, it is easier to sacrifice than to obey. And what is the interrelationship between obedience and sacrifice? The interrelationship between obedience and sacrifice is this. That sacrifice gives credits. I'm sorry. Obedience gives credits to your sacrifice. Because with your sacrifice, God has your stuff, but not you. But with obedience, God has you and your stuff. Because if God has you, he's going to have your stuff. And that's where God is leading us to. And that's why walking in love that we're talking about. That's why it is the actual walking in love that brings about the blessing because that is where the rubber really meets the road. That is where the, 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 the obedience comes in. And whatever we sacrifice can happen. Let's bring it out. Let's, 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 let's fast forward to the New Testament. We're talking about obedience, right? Doing things. Doing what God has told us to do because that is where the blessing is. What is the nature of obedience in the New Testament? What's the nature of obedience? Let me read the scripture so that people will not say He's just talking and didn't mention one scripture. Uh, open with me to Luke 10. Luke 10 from verse 25. Are we there? Are we there? Okay. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. I want you to take note of that. With all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. Going back to what we talked about, the key to life, or the answer to life. Do this, and you will live. Verse 29. 
But he wanting to justify himself, saying to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave, him, gave, it to, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was, he, was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. What is the nature of obedience? Let's fast forward. Now I want to submit to you that the nature of obedience is encapsulated in that first part of the scripture we read. Because that first part of the scripture, the Bible declares that is the fulfillment of all the laws. In other words, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, if you do that alone, you have fulfilled the law. That is where obedience really lies. Or that is where obedience resides. And we're going, to be stressing, um, we're going to be stressing the other part, love your neighbor as yourself. All right? But let me, let me, let me just inter, let me, let, let me interweave obedience and that love and the sacrifice. Let me just bring them all together now. All right, go with me to uh, 1 Corinthians 13. And then we'll come back to this one. Put your hand on this place and then we'll come back. We'll go to 1 Corinthians 13 and then we'll come back. Remember we said earlier on. That what gives credit to your sacrifice is your obedience. It's what you do. Listen to what he said. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, sacrifice, 
And though I give my body to be burnt, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Why? Because the obedience is not there. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. But rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hope all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. In other words, just like in the case of Saul, where God demanded obedience and obedience gave credits to his sacrifice. In our dispensation right now, it does not matter how much sacrifice we make. You come to church, you make your sacrifices, you give your offerings, you, uh, you give your body to be burned, you do all kinds of good things. Immediately those good things are devoid of the love of God. They are nothing. Because you have violated the law of obedience, which is doing to others what you want to be done to yourself. Maybe where we have been missing it, really, is not what we know, but it's what we're not doing. Believe me, believe me. Listen to me. If you want to get into the depths of the heart of omnipotence, and what I mean by that is this. If you want to get into the heart of the power of God where all things will be happening here, If we want to get access to that key, that will open all doors to us here as a church, we have to begin to do what we know to do. Love one another. You don't need another message to start doing it. Now you might need another message to improve the quality of what you are doing. But you don't need another message to, to start doing what you are supposed to do. If we will do half of what we know to do concerning the love of God, this place will not contain us. It will not contain the anointing. It will not contain the grace of God. Everywhere will be opened up and people will rush to come and partake of the goodness of God. Because the love of God is a drawer of men. Everybody can resist everything. But you cannot fight perpetually against the love of God. The love of God will always overcome. And because the love of God will always overcome, if you ride on the love of God, you will always overcome. 
you will always overcome. I'm telling you, if we are going to get into the heart of God, we need to start doing it yesterday. Not today. Not tomorrow. But we need to start loving one another yesterday. And like we've said, just like obedience, love will cost you. Love will cost you your life. It will cost you things. It's not going to be your stuff alone. It's going to cost you you. Just like obedience, love is going to cost you you. It's going to cost you your life. I'm not saying that to scare you, but I'm just telling you that there's a price to pay. But the benefits are much greater than whatever price you will ever pay to ensure that the love of God is expressed freely amongst us. When I mean life, when I mean it's going to cost you, it's going to cost you your life. What am I saying? Somebody says, you have already said, you know, sacrifice is not this. No, sacrifice is good. Love is going to cost you your life. And what is your life? Let me quickly go and then we'll, we'll, we'll rush. I, I won't open the scripture. I'll just tell you what the scripture says. The scripture talks about Jesus. He said, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. Am I correct? In other words, life always means something. If you see light, you are seeing the life of Jesus. In the same way, allegorically, there's something that your life represents. Just like the life of Jesus Christ represents light. There's something that your life represents. And it is that thing that your life represents that the, 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 the is that thing that your life represents that the actions of love is going to cost you. Let me break it down further. What are the things that are important to you? I have spoken with people, especially, you know, uh, uh, couples. And then you find the man. He said, this marriage is not going to work at all. Because she does not give me my self-respect. In other words, the most important thing to him, what life means to him in that marriage, in that relationship, is self-respect. And I've come to tell these people sometimes that that self-respect that your life means is going to cost you for this thing to move on. In other words, you have to give that self-respect off. Or you have to be ready to give it up. To be able to gain that relationship. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. In other words, life means something. And that which life means is what love is going to cost you. Are you ready to lay those things down? When you lay them down. And express the love of God. I guarantee you that everything that you lay down, everything that you give up, God is going to give you good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. And what you are not ready to give, or what you are not ready to lose, you probably will not be ready to get it. 
You can't keep it. You can't keep what you are not ready to lose. And there are some things that are so important to us. That is the very essence of our life. That is the very value of our lives. And it's difficult to give those things up. But God is saying that it is in the giving up of these things that you can attain a higher life. That's what Jesus Christ was saying. He said, whoever will follow me, let him take up his cross. Your cross are the things that, mean, that, that, that determine your life. They are, they are the things that, that are valuable to you. Those are the things that you give up. Because, you know, I, I've seen people who struggle with things. There are certain things that they love. There are certain things that they like. Those things represent their life. And I've seen them struggle with it. And you see them crying. And you are wondering. Because that is not your life. That thing does not mean anything to you. You are wondering why are they so attached to these things. But their lives are attached to that. That's their life. And that's what God is demanding that you give up. That thing that is valuable to you. Are you ready to give it up for love? In closing, I don't want to take too much of your time. In closing, I'll just go through, just talk to you about it. Uh, uh, Luke chapter 10. So what can I do that I can enter life? In other words, what is the key to life? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your might, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I just want to zero in on that neighbor and we'll go, we'll go, we, I mean, we, we just, you know, pack it up from there. And he said, who is my neighbor? And I love the wisdom of Jesus. Instead of telling him who his neighbor was, Jesus told him a parable, told him a story. And it was a story that he could relate with. Something he knew, something he understood, something he could, he could, he, his mind could understand. Using natural things to explain spiritual things. I love that wisdom. But you see, the bottom line of this, at the end of the day, Jesus was not particularly interested in the question of who is your neighbor. Do you, did you see there? He never told him who his neighbor was. Am I correct? He never told him who his neighbor was. Because he was not interested. That is not the question you ask when you want to enter life. You are not asking, who is my neighbor? In other words, the guy was asking the wrong question. And that was why Jesus Christ did not tell him who his neighbor was. In the scheme of things, in the mind of God, The question should not be, who is my neighbor? But how can I become a good neighbor? That's why the emphasis was not even on the guy that had the issue. They just mentioned it. He ran among tongues. I mean, he ran into robbers and they just dealt with him. And they left him for dead. But the emphasis or the theme of that story was more on the three guys that had the ability to do something. That had the ability to show love. That had the ability to express something, to do something, to obey what their conscience was telling them. To obey what the law of God has said. 
but they did not do it. In other words, the question should not have been, who is then my neighbor? But the question should have been, how can I be a good neighbor? And that is a question. In closing, that is a question I'm posing to you today. How can you be a good neighbor? Starting from this Jerusalem, this house. Remember one of the guys, you know, uh, 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 this one was a Levite. The other one was a pastor. They were guys who were there in the presence of God and they were ushering God in. On behalf of the people. But when the test of obedience came, they failed. So nobody says the good Levite today. They say the good Samaritan. Because they failed. So when the test comes, ask yourself, how do I, be a, how do I become a good neighbor? Because that, was, that is what will register you. That is what registers in the annals of God. But it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. But thank God that God can repay you everything that you lose. No matter what you lose, God can repay you over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaking together. Running over is what God can show you and bless you with. Nobody decides to serve God and loses at the end. You always win. That's the kind of God that we serve. You always win when you go with him. You always win. You always win. You come out on the other side better. The Bible says, it says the path of the righteous. It says it shines brighter and brighter as unto a perfect day. And I'm saying that to you today too, that your path can only shine brighter. And nothing more. But listen to me. If you did not get anything here today, if you didn't get anything, I'm about to take my seat now in a minute. If you did not get anything today, nothing makes sense to you. I want you to understand that no matter what you lose for the sake of love, expressing love, being a good neighbor, it does not matter what you lose. You know what the Bible declares? It says, eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love him or those that are committed to expressing his love because the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit that is within you. Folks, love will carry you over. It will take you to the next destination. That is the key to life. 
It is the key to the next level. It does not matter what you are going through now. We may not preach or talk about, oh, seven ways to express your scientific mind or whatever the thing is. Or three ways to get a job. Or ten ways to increase your finances. But I'm telling you that this expressing love, obeying God in the area of expressing love is a key to life. And it will carry you over. Did we all get something today? Yes. All right, let's stand to our feet and just... Now, I just want us to close our eyes. I want us to close our eyes. I want us to do some exercises before we leave. In your mind's eyes, as you close your eyes, in your mind's eyes, I just want you to run through this room in your mind's eyes. If anybody has, if anybody has offended you in one way or the other, because this is where it begins when we to begin to obey the love of God in the area of the love of God to begin to obey it, is, it starts with the area of forgiveness and we want it to start here this is our Jerusalem it starts from our Jerusalem it starts from the house if anyone in this house or in this room or anyone that is associated with this calling or this ministry if they have offended you in one way, I want you to run through this room with your eyes, with your mind's eyes. And just forgive. Now, if you are bold enough to go and meet them, that's fine. If you can't meet them now, you can text them later and all of that and things like that. But I just want you to do something about it. Because we cannot talk about doing something or obedience and we don't tell you what to do. So it starts from you going to meet somebody who has pissed you off. I'm trying to resolve it, please. Let's resolve it. Let's start expressing the love of God. Because that is either what will take us over or what will hold us back. The next thing I want you to do is that when you go home, Run through your mind. I just want you to free yourself. I, I want you to, to, to be freed from this. Go home. Anyone that has offended you, take them off your list. Because we have a list in our minds of people who have offended us. I want you to take those people off your list this afternoon. And that's where you, you begin to have the true and the real freedom to begin to obey God in the area of being your neighbor's keeper or your brother's keeper. Father, this afternoon, we just want to thank you. We bless you. We glorify you. Thank you for your grace that is present in this house today. We thank you for that anointing that breaks every yoke, particularly the yoke of unforgiveness. We break them now in the name of Jesus.
will release everyone that is being held bound by this yoke in the name of Jesus. Father, we bless you. We ask you to glorify yourself in our midst, O oh God. In Jesus' name we have prayed.